Today is the day that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. So let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? Amen Amen and amen. Let me ask you, do you know what I mean when I say sometimes a picture just doesn't do it justice? You know what I'm talking about? Like maybe you see something just profoundly beautiful and you, and you take a picture of it on your phone and you look and it's like, there's no comparison here. Like, I mean, I've never seen the Grand Canyon. I hope to someday, but I imagine it's something like that. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Do you have something like that? I tell the person next to you what came to mind when I said that to you. Go ahead and tell them. So for me, to be completely honest with you, uh, any time I see a sunset, I feel like that. I mean, when I look out my back porch and I see a sunset, I, I feel like that. But, but with a question like that, I, I mean, I, I try to think of something like specific. And uh, for me, one of the things that can't come to mind is, is uh, when I was on my honeymoon with my wife Tiffany, we, we went to Ireland and we were on the coast of Ireland and we were overlooking this beautiful scene uh, called the Cliffs of Moher. And, you know, when my wife and I got married, it was, it was a long, long time ago. <laughs> Back in the days before your phone captured video for you, we, we did have a video. I'm going to show you a video. Um, and it's, uh, we used this ancient technology. And when you recorded something, the images actually captured on this thing called film. <laughs> film. So I want to show you uh, a clip from our honeymoon overlooking the cliffs of Moore. Can we, can we roll tape guys? Unbelievable. We haven't seen nothing like that in Michigan. Let's go to the top. And so here's, here's a, a better picture of what we were looking at. And if I was to tell you these, this scene, these cliffs were beautiful, it would be true, but you wouldn't understand what I'm talking about unless you were there. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, it's hard enough to emphasize the beauty of something that is truly remarkable, remarkable. but that doesn't compare at all to the struggle that I have right now here today. Like, the, the struggle I have for you, when we are talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's, 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 it's this. This is my struggle. How do you emphasize something that can't be overemphasized? That's, the, that's my struggle here today. I'm going to try to sell this to you, to overemphasize this to you, but there's no way. I can't overemphasize what can't be overemphasized, and that's what we have in the resurrection of Jesus. See, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not just the single most important event in all of history. It's the thing that all of history hinges upon. What I mean is, is either the universe and history and all of reality, either this actually all means something or it doesn't. And the resurrection of Jesus shows us that there is a reason for it all. That hope isn't just a nice concept, it's an actual thing that we can have. And if this sounds like an overstatement to you, well, welcome to my challenge to you today. I can't overstate this. 
So rather than just give you a, a theological discourse, what I want to do today is I, we're going to look at the resurrection through the testimony, through the eyes of two women, two Jewish women of, of lowly societal stature from 2,000 years ago. But before we get into our main passage today, I want to set the scene for you. And, and in order to do that, let's just go back and we're going to look at a, a couple verses leading up to our main passage. So let me just walk through the scene for you today. So Matthew 27, verses 62 to 66. The next day, that is after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said while he was still alive, after three days I will rise. All right, so here's the scene that you need to set. This is the next day, the day after preparation. The day of preparation was Friday. Now, the reason it was called the day of preparation was because the next day, Saturday, was the Jewish Sabbath. That was a day of no work and all rest. But in order to have that, you had to spend all of Friday preparing so that you could take the next day off. So Friday is called the day of preparation. It's also Good Friday, the day that Jesus Christ died. So this is the next day. This is Saturday, the Sabbath. After this, on Saturday, the chief priests and the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they gathered before Pilate, Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor of Judea during the life of Christ. This is a known historical fact. He's a person from history. They said to him, Sir, we remember how that imposter, speaking of Jesus, while he was still alive, he said, After three days I will rise. It was known by all that Jesus said he was going to die and he was going to rise again. And the religious leaders knew that this Jesus movement had massive momentum. But they also knew that the only way to stop this Jesus movement would be to produce his dead body, to keep it there so that his prophecy of rising again would go unfulfilled. They said, therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he's risen from the dead. And the last fraud will be worse than the first. So they want Pilate to not just cover the tomb. They want the, 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 the tomb to be sealed. So they want them to be, this tomb to be sealed. We often forget that. So this was, what that meant was this was actually glued shut with a tremendous amount of wax. And when they did that, they would have put a Roman seal in this wax. And it would have come with the penalty of death to anyone who broke that seal. Because they knew that... It, if it got out that Jesus rose from the dead, they knew the world would never be the same. Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers. Go, make it secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. So Pilate says you have, or, or it could be easily translated, he gave them a guard of soldiers. This would have been a quaternion a guard of four soldiers, not two, which I think tradition often leads us to believe. There's probably four soldiers there with a tomb that was secure, sealed shut, glued shut. So the stone couldn't just have been rolled away. It would have needed to be cracked. They were doing all they could to stop this Jesus movement dead in their tracks. This was their small window of opportunity to see it happen. So Let's just rattle off the checklist of everything they went through to make sure the tomb was going to be secure and Jesus was going to stay in there. So I'm going to read off the checklist. You tell me check for the things that, are, that, they've, that, they've, that they've done. So the tomb is shut. Check. 
The tomb is glued. Check. The dead body of Jesus locked inside. Check. Okay, so it seems like everything is set and secure. Jesus died on a Friday. He was placed in there. The Bible tells us that. Saturday comes. They glue the tomb shut. And now we're going to pick up in our story. This is going into Sunday morning. And so with that, would you hear the word of the Lord on this Easter morning? Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 to 10. Now after the Sabbath, meaning after Saturday, it's going to be Sunday, after the Sabbath toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, meaning the mother of Jesus, went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he's going before you to Galilee. And there you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and they ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Let's pray and let's continue. Let's pray. Father God, your Son and our Savior is risen, and he is risen indeed. We ask here and now, by the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit, that you would reveal to us the truth of your word and the love that you have for us and the reality of the resurrection. It's for your glory, and in Jesus' name we pray these things. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. So here's my struggle. How do I emphasize something that can't be over? emphasize that can't be overstated. We're going to walk through our passage today, and each of these 10 verses are going to help to begin to paint a picture for us to begin to begin to see what the resurrection is all about. So the first thing that we see is we see a new beginning. Matthew 28 verse 1 says, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, Mary went to see the tomb. Now, I don't know if you're like me, um, but I'm the type of guy where if, if you told me your name, unless you text me right away or write it down, I'm going to turn and forget your name. Is anyone like that? Okay, now tell me if you're also like me in, in this other respect. But if you told me your birthday, I'll remember that for the rest of my life. I would have sent you a birthday card if I could remember your name. So if you're like me, if you're more of numbers and dates, here you go. The resurrection of Jesus Christ happened on Sunday, April 5th, in the year 33 AD. That was 726,481 days ago today. This is the 
103,783rd Sunday since the Son of God rose from the dead. We are here celebrating not just a Christian tradition. We're here celebrating a historic fact, something that happened in history. And on that day, the day that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, it marked a new beginning in so many ways. You see, you see the Jews, they worshipped on the Sabbath, on the day of rest. But the early Christians, they started something new. Because Jesus Christ rose from the dead on a Sunday, they started worshiping on Sunday. Meaning, we no longer worship on the day of Jewish rest. We now worship on the day of Jesus' resurrection. Instead of ending our week in worship, we now start the first day of the week. We start our week in worship. And that's a beautiful thing as we go through life as Christians, knowing that every single Sunday when we gather as, as fellow believers, that we are starting something new. We're starting a new week. Whatever's happened in our lives, each Sunday marks a new beginning because that's what we get with the resurrection of Jesus. Not just a chance to gather on Sunday and, and mark something new, which we do and it's beautiful and we celebrate, but we get a spiritual newness. That's what we get when we place our faith in Jesus, in the resurrection, that he makes us new. We see new beginnings. We also see, we also see a peace demonstrated. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. I'm curious about you. Do you, how well do you handle stress? If, if one is like, I, I crumble at the thought of stress, and 10 is I eat stress for breakfast, I wonder, where do you fall on that? Tell your neighbor, just give him a number. You know what's odd is that they're saying that our, the stress level of our culture only increases and is only increasing. We are a people who find it hard to find peace in stress, which leads to something I love about this verse. It's the peace that is demonstrated. If you deal with stress, especially in unhealthy ways, I encourage you to return to this verse, and here's why. It took an earthquake. Do you know why there was an earthquake? Because that's what it took to crack the seal of the tomb. The earthquake, earthquake came, cracked the seal of the tomb, and then an angel comes, rolls back the stone, and then check this out. He then sits on it. He rolls back the stone and then kicks back and sits on it like it's a lawn chair at a bonfire. The stone... The stone, the sealed stone, this was, this was supposed to be the great obstacle to the promises of Jesus. The sealed stone was supposed to stop this Jesus movement, to kill the church, to make Jesus be a name that's erased from history. The great stone. Angel rolled it back and kicked back on it. Now when you deal with stress, I want you to think, the angel's using my stress as a lawn chair right now. See, the stone being rolled back and the angel sitting on it shows us two big theological words. God's providence and God's sovereignty. That nothing is outside of God's control. 
and that all the bad things that we've done and incurred in our life, when we come to faith in Jesus, the Bible says God will turn and use that for good if we come to him. So when we place our faith in Jesus, we get a peace demonstrated. And one of the most vivid images that I see is the angel sitting on that stone. Let that be an encouragement to you when you face stress. So we see a peace encountered, we, or a peace demonstrated. We also see a spiritual encounter. His, the angel, the apparent, his appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. I'm going to show you a picture of something. Um, same for you in the chapel, if you're watching online, if you're over in the gardens. I'm going to show you a picture of something. And I, and I want you to, to, to think, what's your emotional reaction to this picture? Like, is it something that you get excited about? Is it something that scares you or what? Okay, you ready? Yes, it is. I don't know about you, but for me, it's nothing like a good thunderstorm. I see that and I get excited. I get, I get happy. I love a good thunderstorm. But when lightning strikes, I've been close to a couple different lightning strikes. And I will tell you right now, when the lightning strikes, it is both beautiful and absolutely terrifying. It scares you out of your skin. And that's what we see in this spiritual encounter. His appearance was like lightning. Okay, my friends, that didn't mean it was just pretty and sparkly. It was beautiful and terrifying because that's what spiritual encounters are. And when we come to faith in the resurrection of Jesus, that is a spiritual encounter. His appearance was like lightning. It was dazzling. It was fear-inducing. It was a spiritual encounter. And so no wonder we also see this. We see a weakness exposed. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. The guards. Okay, these weren't just guards. These were Roman soldiers of the fierce Roman army. Arguably, these are four of the toughest men who ever walked the face of the planet. They saw this and they crumbled. They crumbled. Their weakness was exposed. They became like dead men, meaning they passed out cold. Because even though they were brave, they had no faith, which means they succumbed to fear. But not the women. Because of their faith, yes, they were scared, but they stayed strong. So we see a weakness exposed in the faithless. But to those who are faithful, we see a comfort assured. But the angel said to the women, who were not passed out for fear, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. Angels, angelic beings, while of God and while they are good, they are still fear-inducing. But he comforts them. He assures them. Because those who seek the crucified Jesus, my friends, listen to me. Those who seek the crucified Jesus will be comforted. It was Jesus Christ himself who said, all who come to me will find their rest. And as these women approach the tomb, they have this spiritual encounter where the weakness of the faithless is exposed and the comfort and comfort is given to the faithful. But we also see a promise kept. We see a promise kept. The angel said, he is not here for he 
is, has risen. And say these three words with me. As he said. As he said. Come, see the place where he lay. There it is. There it is. The greatest news of all time. This is the annunciation that Jesus has kept his promise. The proof is found that the stone has been rolled away and the tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. For all the reasons people have tried to reject the resurrection of Jesus and every single early account from history that we have regarding Jesus, whether in the Bible or outside the Bible, nobody argues that the tomb was empty. Not letters we have from the Roman senator Tacitus who spoke about Jesus crucified never argues that the tomb was empty. The regional governor right after that time, Pliny, mentions Jesus in his letters. These are all outside the Bible. Doesn't say anything about him, his body being found in the tomb. The Jewish historian Josephus talks about Jesus, never mentions that the body was still in the tomb. Both biblical and secular sources confirm that the man known as Jesus of Nazareth was killed as a common criminal under the governor Pontius Pilate. And yet, this movement of his explodes upon his death. Why? Historically speaking, it's a fact that Jesus rose from the dead. His resurrection is the only thing that explains why his movement not just continued, but absolutely exploded over the known world. And the powder keg for this explosion was the resurrection. The resurrection, the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, makes it all make sense. So I'm going to hold your fist like this. I'm going to hold your fist like this for a minute. I tell you something the kids do these days. They, they hit each other's fists and they go, Phew. do that with your neighbor. Do that. Go ahead. Okay, you know what? So we're going we're gonna to steal that, okay? Church, over in, the, over in the gardens, over in the chapel, here online. Okay, this is going to just be our little thing, Okay? We're going to steal that. So here's, here's what we're going to do from now on. Okay, church? This is the tomb. Everyone hold it up. And when you hit somebody else's fist, that's the resurrection. And so when you do that, I want you to say this. Promise kept. And you know what? The world don't need to know. It can just be our thing. We're out and about shopping at Hardings or DW. You see me at the gas station. You come up and you just go, promise kept. And I'll say, amen, and then you can go buy me a Mountain Dew, okay? <laughs> so here's what we're going to do. Let's do it again. This is, good. this is just for us Christians, okay? Um, and anyone who's gathering here today, you, you know our little secret now, okay? Promise kept. Do it to your neighbor. Go ahead. Promise kept. Promise kept. Because the resurrection of Jesus is a promise kept by our Lord and Savior. The, resurre the resurrection shows us a promise kept. It also sees us, see, uh, shows us a purpose given. Matthew 28, verse 7. Then the angel says, Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. And then the angel says this weird little tagline. Then the angel says, See, I have told you. Now, I think what's going on here is... This was like the angel's way of saying, my job is done. See, I've told you. I've done my part. Now it's your turn. And you know what's beautiful about this exchange? 
is that these women went and did it. They went and told. And you know what? They went and told someone. And you know what then happened? They went and told someone. And they went and told someone. And now I'm standing here, and now I'm telling you, Jesus is risen. Church, see, I have told you. Now it's your turn. Now you go and tell. The resurrection of Jesus, yes, is salvation, but it also gives us purpose. You have purpose now. You are to go and continue this message. This is the message you share. It's the gospel that Jesus Christ died on the cross, taking our punishment for our sin. Him who had no sin, who was perfect, perfect before God, he took on our sin. And then on the cross, what happened was that he also took our punishment for that sin. And when he took our punishment, we get his innocence that we are made clean. And that pounding of the nails that drove into his hands and in his feet that made him hang on the cross, that pounding of those nails is also the sound of a gavel being slammed down declaring you innocent. Because he's taken your guilt and he's taken your punishment. He's taken your sin. See, I have told you. Embrace this truth and now you go and share. We see a purpose given, but we also see an immediate response. An immediate response. Matthew 28, verse 8. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell the disciples. These women, they show us how it's done, church. These women show us how our lives should be. They ran. They departed quickly. Notice it says that they went with fear and joy. Fear and joy. What can give you both fear and joy at the same time? I'll tell you what can. A spiritual encounter that is truly good. A spiritual encounter with something that is overwhelmingly good. That gives us both fear and joy. These women had this experience and then what did they do? They ran. They ran to tell. It doesn't say they waited. It does not say that they looked for the right time to share the gospel when no one was looking. They ran to tell. They made time and ran right then and there. We see an immediate response. You know what else we see? We see a beautiful reception. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and they worshiped him. Jesus Christ meets you where you are. Listen to me. Even when you are on your way to see that he's dead. He meets you where you are. Wherever you are at life, if you are here, I'm telling you, Jesus wants to meet you. He's coming to meet with you. And when he comes, what do these faithful women do? They bowed down and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. If you wonder what your first few moments in heaven will be like, it won't be going to look for your grandparents. It won't be going to look for your spouse who is there waiting for you. It won't even be going to find the child that you lost. 
as much as we love them and long to see them, our loved ones in heaven, they know this. They know this already, that our first moments in heaven will be meeting Jesus, rejoicing in him, and then bowing down to kiss the feet of the one who has saved us. And if that sounds like an overstatement to you, then you don't know who Jesus is. There is no one greater. He is the greatest that there is. So even when you encounter loved ones who you've missed and longed for so long, when you see Jesus, he's the one that we run to. There is no one greater. There is no one more worthy than him. Whatever cost he brings to our lives, he is worth it. Put your trust in him. And when you do, not only do we have innocence, an innocence that the world longs for, not only do we get eternal life, we get reconciled to God because our sin has broken our relationship with the one who created us. And when we place our faith in Jesus, he heals that and we get God again. We get to be with the Father again. And the Bible tells us that Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us in heaven. The Bible tells us that when a sinner repents and puts their faith in Jesus, the angels rejoice. You get more than you possibly could imagine when you come to faith in Jesus Christ. And when we come to faith in him, our last verse shows us that we also see the mission start. Matthew 28, 10. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there you will see me. Jesus has risen. The gospel is complete. The mission has started. You were not saved, listen to me, just to go to heaven. You were saved to be part of the mission. You were saved so that you could have eternal life, not at the moment you die, but at the moment you believe. And though you may die, yet you shall live if you have faith in Jesus' name. And it starts when we place our faith in Jesus, when we answer the call that God is already placing on us. My friends, he's calling to you now. If you are here and you can hear my voice, I'm telling you it's because God has positioned you so that you could hear this message, so that you would know he is calling you unto himself, so come to him. And some of you, you have str- you've wandered, you've strayed, and you know it. Come home. Come back to the Father. He will welcome you with open arms. Come to the Father. Come back through faith in Jesus. What do we get when we get Jesus? We get something that I cannot overemphasize to you. Lay your sin aside. See it for what it is. A block to your life. A block to your joy. A block to your relationship with God. Lay your sin aside and embrace the love that God has for you. Embrace the grace through Jesus' name. And put your faith in him. And just as he rose to new life, so will you. Jesus Christ is the king of kings. He is the king of of kings. So come to him now and have the faith and joy that's only available through him. Have meaning and purpose that's only found through him. Be restored to the God who calls you, who loves you, who sent his son to die for you. Have life and salvation in his name. Church, say it with me, but only say it if you believe it. And if you do, then say it like you believe it. He is risen. He is risen. Amen. Would you please stand?